This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. For the past six weeks, we've been enjoying a sermon series, Jesus Revealed, during which we've come to know Jesus in many ways through various situations. Today, we'll close this series with a magnificent revelation and proclamation from God the Father. Please stay with us for the message, He's the One You Need to Listen To. If you've ever struggled with understanding Jesus, you'll like this Bible story we're looking at today. It's a real eye-opener. I hope you'll stay with us as we continue our sermon series, Jesus Revealed. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father, as you spoke to those disciples on that mountaintop in Galilee, Speak to us this day through your Holy Word, and help us to better understand the wonders of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our reading for today is taken from Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 28. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. 
They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. friends, I really thought I knew him. You might find yourself saying or thinking something like that after a disappointing experience with someone who's let you down, disappointed you, betrayed your trust, maybe even broken your heart. 
I've had numbers spouses say that statement to me in my office, brokenhearted by an unfaithful spouse. Or you might think that after a surprising, wonderful discovery about someone that you thought you knew everything about. Wow, I didn't know that about him. That's great. I've heard a longtime church member say that, who had an awakening to the wonder of Christ and his grace for the first time. He had an encounter. Those words could very well have been rolling around in the mind of Peter. You see, eight days earlier, Jesus had asked his followers who they thought he was, and Peter, speaking on behalf of the group, responded, You are the Messiah of God. You see, they'd been witnessing again and again his power and authority as he taught and healed and cast out demons and controlled nature, so he was definitely sure that this had to be the right answer. Jesus is the Messiah. But Peter and the guys didn't expect the response they got from Jesus that day. He said, don't tell anyone. And know this, I must soon go through great suffering and rejection and even be killed, but on the third day rise. None of this made sense to Peter. It shook him. Messiahs don't suffer and die. They win battles, they take over kingdoms, overthrow Israel's enemies, and live in power forever. That's the way we've been taught. Everyone knows that. What's his business? I must go and do this. Perhaps he thought, what have I gotten myself into here? If Jesus is going to die, what about me? I mean, he's talking about picking up a cross. Could I die with him? And is he worth dying for? I really thought I knew him. He had to have been more than a little shaken along with the others who also thought they knew him. And now we're wondering, gee, I'm not sure. When you listen closely to people's words these days, you can still hear that kind of thing happening. We have expectations of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We have ideas and expectations of what Jesus should be doing for us. You know, that life should turn out okay if I trust and obey him. He'll protect me from harm and suffering. And then something bad happens to us, and we're totally disappointed, and we think, gee, I really thought I knew him. I'm not sure. Now, my faith is kind of shaky. Well, back to our story. Luke begins it by saying, Now about eight days after these troubling sayings, Jesus took Peter, James, and John on the mountain to pray. By the way, have you ever noticed in the Bible that great things, eye-opening things, always seem to happen on mountaintops? In the Old and New Testament, this mountaintop experience would be no different. They had a real eye-opener up there. You might even say they saw the light. These three sleepy men were watching Jesus who was praying off the distance from them when suddenly Jesus was transfigured. He became dazzling before him. He showed his heavenly glory. First they saw something that was beyond amazing. His face had changed. It was dazzling. It was filled with brightness, brilliant light. You couldn't look into it. His clothes became as bright as lightning. Then they saw two men. 
Moses, they figured out, and Elijah talking with Jesus. These guys were great figures from the Old Testament, both prophets, great men in their own eras. They were the Hall of Famers of the faith. The disciples not only saw, but they heard some astounding things. First, they heard Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus about his departure, which means literally his exodus, reminding us of God's deliverance of his people from slavery in Egypt that was led by Moses. This exodus would be accomplished by Jesus in Jerusalem. A deliverance is coming. That must have made Peter's heart pound with excitement. Thrilling news. And just as Moses and Elijah were about to leave, Peter wanting to extend this experience says to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's make three dwellings for each of you and keep this little retreat going. And Luke says he said it without knowing what he said. In other words, Peter was talking stupid. Why did he say this, do you suppose? Why was it wrong? Was it perhaps because he was putting Moses and Elijah on the same level as Jesus, three equal shelters? And no one, not even the lawgiver or the great prophet, measures up to Jesus and who he is. He is unique in his own right, above all. Or, perhaps, it was, you can't stay on a mountaintop forever, Peter. There's a world waiting to be saved. Jesus has a mission. God's work needs to be done. Truth is, we can't really know what Peter meant with these words, but we do know this. God the Father stepped into this scene and spoke his words to clear things up. Suddenly, this cloud comes upon them, overshadows all of them. Now, in the Old Testament, that was how God approached his people with his presence. Just check out the book of Exodus. And from the cloud, they heard a voice speak, and it was the voice of God. This is my son. It's an endorsement. From God himself, Jesus is the Son of God. He has stepped down from his throne in heaven to be with sinful humanity. He's God in the flesh. His God's gift to you and to me. To know him is to know God. He's the one you can trust with your life and your eternity. This is my son, God says. And he also adds, my chosen That title comes from the book of Isaiah, by the way. It's a prophecy from God of one who would come, a Messiah, to save his people, and he would actually suffer for them. In Isaiah 42, for instance, God says of the Messiah to come, Here is my servant who I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth my justice to the nations. And and later on in Isaiah 53, God would describe what, What would happen to his chosen? He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. So, what is going on here with this statement? What is God communicating? He's endorsing, he's affirming Jesus for those who are doubting him. This is my son. He's come to suffer and die to fulfill my rescue plan for saving a sin-sick world. And then God makes clear what he wants from them. He goes on to say, so listen to him. Listen to Jesus. It's like God is saying, yeah, I know he said some things that don't meet your expectations and you're confused and they're hard to consider. They don't make sense by worldly standards and logic 
But anyway, listen to him. Listen to him. That's God's word to you and me today. This is my son, Jesus. Listen to him. And and we can do that as we open our Bibles to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and let Jesus speak his word into our lives. For Peter one time later on would say, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. He does. There's such life in the words of Jesus as he comforts us, first of all, with statements and promises like, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. What a promise that is. Coming to him in trust with our weariness, with our failures, with our sinfulness, and letting him minister to us and instruct us leads to a restful soul, a rested soul, all the way to our eternal rest in heaven. Comforting words, but... Sometimes his words are so upside down and challenging for us, just as they were for those first disciples. For instance, let's look at the the words he gave them eight days before our story for today, when he went on to say to the disciples, if any of you want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake will save it. And that, my friend, is a hard statement, a hard pill for us to swallow. We live in a world, you see, that teaches just the opposite, that we should be looking out for number one, that me, myself, and I is what is important. Grab on and hold on to all you can get, and the one with the most toys wins. And these words of Jesus sound inconvenient and uncomfortable. But wait a minute. Stop and look at what Jesus promises. Those who lose their life for my sake will save it. A saved life, a new, renewed, eternal life is promised here. Jesus is saying, listen, having me, serving me, laying down your life for me is worth more than anything you can gain in this world. If you're looking for a full life, for eternal life, that life is found only in following me, serving me, giving yourself away from me in my kingdom cause It's there you gain a real life. And God affirms, this is my son. Listen to him. The Apostle Paul listened, took it seriously. Book of Philippians, he said basically this, I had everything or so I thought, but then I met Jesus Christ. And all that stuff is garbage in comparison to knowing and serving Jesus. I'm reminded of a book. It was written a few years ago, co-authored by a guy named Dave Friedman. The book was 100 Things to Do Before You Die, and it inspired the movie The Bucket List, which was quite popular in theaters. Friedman's own list included things like attending the Academy Awards and running with the Bulls in Pamplona, Spain, and other good things. The story drips with irony. According to his family, Freeman had actually gotten to do only about 50 of the things on his list before he died at age 47. And we're reminded that we may never accomplish all the things we hope to do. Life can be short. He took a knock on the head and died at a relatively young age, reminding us that none of us knows how long we have to live. And tragically, perhaps for Freeman, among the hundred things he and his co-author suggested that others do before they die did not include preparing for the day of judgment by entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the most important thing a person can do.
because Jesus is life. Back in Luke 6, in a sermon on the plain, Jesus says some things that can cause one to roll their eyes and say, really, Jesus? Really? Is, is this realistic? It doesn't sound like a promising or smart way to live. It certainly isn't what life in this world has taught me. For instance, you look at what he says about living with people that don't like you, with enemies. We think we know how to handle our enemies, those people who make our lives miserable, who hurt us with words and actions. You know, you avoid them, you despise them, you keep your distance, maybe even look for ways to get even and get revenge and hope for their demise. Rejoice when life falls apart on them. And Jesus says to his followers, I want you to love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And then he goes on to say a little bit later, love those enemies. Do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High God for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Sounds crazy. Risky, doesn't it? Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, that want to harm you. I I don't want to listen to that kind of talk. That's hard talk. Should I take it seriously? And God says, listen to my son. Then again, there are wild stories of people who have taken Jesus at his word on this one. Listen to this. There's a guy named Ghassan Thomas. He leads one of the few public churches that emerged in Baghdad after Saddam Hussein was toppled. His church uh, erected a sign on the building that said, Jesus is the light of the world. But the church was raided by bandits who left behind a thread on a piece of cardboard. It read, Jesus is not the light of the world. Allah is, and you have been warned. The note was signed, the Islamic Shiite Party. In response, Pastor Ghassan loaded up a van with children's gifts and medical supplies, which were in critically short supply following the invasion, and drove to the headquarters of the Islamic Shiite party. After presenting the gifts and supplies to the Sheik, Ghassan told the leader, Christians have love for you because our God is a God of love. He then asked permission to read from the Bible. Ghassan turned to Jesus' words in John 8, I am the light of the world. And then Ghassan showed the cardboard note to the sheik. The Muslim leaders, astounded by Pastor Thomas's actions, actually apologized. This will not happen again, the sheik said. You are my brother. If anyone comes to kill you, it'll be my neck first. The sheik later attended Pastor Thomas's ordination service at his church. Wow, this is my son. Listen to him. My friends, for the past six weeks, we have been examining Jesus. And there are so many more things he has to speak into our lives. He has the words of eternal life, as Peter said. We listen to him. But this is our last message on this Jesus Revealed sermon series. We've had him revealed to us again and again as we've studied Luke and John's stories about him. That's what the season we call Epiphany is all about, Jesus being revealed to us. Today's story, grand finale of Epiphany. But I would be remiss if I didn't tell you there's more. The story doesn't end here. This 
Jesus, who shone brightly on the mountain before his disciples, endorsed by God, went to another mountain a while later, Mount Calvary, on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And there he carried out God's plan of deliverance to suffer the wrath of God for your sins and mine. There would be no reassuring words from God to him on that cross, and he'd cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He would commend his spirit into the Father's hand and breathe his last and be buried in a rich man's tomb, only to be raised back to life. Fifty days later, he's exalted on another mountaintop as he ascended to the right hand of God the Father with all authority over heaven and earth. And he promised he's coming again in power and glory to judge the living and the dead, to take his own to himself. And what a great day that will be. You see, this transfiguration story is just a foretaste of what we will see someday, Jesus in his full glory. So the only question left for you is this. Now that he has been revealed to you, what are you going to do with Jesus who has come to rescue you? And God has revealed to you exactly what he wants you to do. Listen to him. Amen. so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know the saith the Lord Jesus Jesus how I trust him, how I prove him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I you pray with me? Lord, thank you for revealing to us once again the beauty and worth of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to continue to grow in our knowledge of him and our faith in him and what he says. In his name we pray. Amen. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen.
You have been worshiping with the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to listen to the Lord who has been revealed to you and is coming to rescue you. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry dedicated to proclaiming the unadulterated word of Jesus Christ to our world. We have been blessed throughout our 83-year history with generous and faithful listeners who have supported this ministry with their prayers and financial gifts. If you are able, please consider making a contribution to this ministry so we can continue to grow and serve our listeners with the good news of Jesus Christ across the globe, on the Internet, shortwave radio, satellite, and on 26 radio stations. If you know someone who might enjoy Christian Crusaders, please let them know about this program. They can find out more about this ministry as well as listen anytime from anywhere in the world on our Internet website, ChristianCrusaders.org, and on Facebook. Feel free to contact us by mail or by phone. Our mailing address is Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Our toll-free telephone number is 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. We are happy you chose to worship with us today and pray you will join us again next week as well. Conducting the service was our speaker, Pastor Steve Kramer. Christian Crusaders is now in its 83rd year of broadcasting biblical truth. And from all of us at Christian Crusaders, may God richly bless you with His gracious mercy and peace.